to episode 41 of the Cinefessions podcast. I'm one of your hosts. My name is Brandon Chowan. And joining me tonight, we have Ash Collins. Ash, how are things going tonight? Things are going good. Excellent. And we also have Mark Nadu. Mark, how the hell are you? I'm good. Wonderful. Now, Ash, uh, how is your cat? Do you know any update on that yet? No, the vet will call us back tomorrow. Okay. Well, my thoughts are with you. Uh, hopefully everything turns out uh turns out well there yeah so yeah I mean, she's she's 14 but you know it right is what it is yeah absolutely no i understand okay and rick uh you were what is your your sister's in town right uh she left this afternoon oh okay how was that oh fine apart from the fact that i left a suitcase at the house oh. realized when we're at the departure area uh, at the airport so i had to so i drove from work to home then to the airport, then back home, then oh, to the man. airport, and then back to work. So, <laughs> wow. yeah, put a little that mileage sucks. on my car today. Right. Yeah, exactly. Sounds yeah. like it. <laughs> yeah, wasn't uh, the greatest of, uh, of rides, but <laughs> everybody's safe and sound at home and all packages are uh, are accounted for. So Good. Yeah. Excellent. So tonight we are going to continue through our Tarantino-thon. We have a review of both volumes of Kill Bill. And just a quick reminder, next week we won't be releasing a podcast uh, because I'm going to be on vacation. Um, we, we will return the following week and we're going to pick up with Death Proof and a review of Black Mirror Season 2, Episode 1. So make sure you check out those one that or that one rather when it when it releases after we get back from vacation. So before we talk about what we've been doing this past couple of weeks here, I just wanted to send out a huge thank you. Um, we have our first U.S. store iTunes review, so that's awesome. And it was a five-star review. We really appreciate that. And we, you know, we're, we're so grateful that you took the time to, to write the review. Um, so thank you, Regina. We really appreciate that. Um, and Regina, if you are interested in receiving one of the horror sci-fi cult grab bags we talked about in the past episodes, shoot me an email, contact at cinefessions.com with your shipping address. That way I can send that out to you. Um, and just another reminder, we're still waiting on two more winners for that contest. So again, all you have to do is leave us an iTunes review and then email me at contact at cinefessions.com with your shipping information. And then once we have all five winners, uh, we're, we'll start getting those grab bags sent out to you. So make sure you take advantage of an easy way to win some fun movies. All right. So Ash, I feel like we haven't talked in like a month, but it's only been a couple weeks because both you and I were sick last week, which was yeah. just annoying as hell. Um, yeah, I could barely, I could barely talk. It was terrible. Yeah, like I, I couldn't talk without coughing. That's why I was like, this, there's no way we're gonna be able to podcast. Um, and it was the first time I had the flu since I was probably a little kid. Like I don't even remember ever having the flu. But anyway, uh, what did you end up doing on the the last couple weeks here? Not a whole lot. Uh, taking <laughs> care of my wife and um, do other things uh, along with that. Uh, I did watch. Uh, she and I lounged on the couch and watched a few things, though, if I remember right. Let's see. We watched a movie called Expel, or no, it was an anime. A movie called Expelled from Paradise. Um, about it's kind of like the, uh, the the world kind of becomes unlivable, so they set up a virtual world for people to exist in in orbit of the Earth, and but somebody from Earth keeps hacking into it to send messages to the people who are living. In, in this virtual world. And so they send an actual person from the satellite down to Earth to figure out what's going on. 
and they deal. She has to deal with a whole bunch of uh, people who are still living on Earth and have actual physical bodies to, to figure out what's going on. So that one was pretty cool. Hmm. Um, and we watched. I watched the rest of Mad Men season seven. Finished that off. Must have watched it somewhere. Um, I've been watching a lot of Star Trek. I only have two episodes to go in season three, but uh, okay. And then uh, I might start next gen again. Awesome. But uh, what was the anime series we watched? Hang on, I'm sorry. We flipped. We flipped between our accounts when we were watching. Oh, gotcha. <laughs> uh, okay, it was a, an anime series called K. Okay. Uh, it's, it's a 13 anime or 13 episode series um, about this kid who uh, is going to the school, and he basically it looks like he's been set up for this murder, mm. and but all these people have these extraordinary supernatural powers and they're hunting him and he really doesn't seem to have abilities. Okay. Uh, and so he's just kind of like the normal kid thrown in this situation, just trying to survive getting hunted by these people who think he killed their friend. <laughs> so it, it's kind of interesting. Uh, there's lots of little twist turns and uh, some neat, uh, neat effects. And it, it was fun to watch. Very good. Did you guys end up getting the new Pokemon game? Uh, well, there, it's not a new Pokemon game. Um, it's well, the, the yeah, release, yeah, you know, uh, yeah, the new release of the old game, I guess. Yeah. Um, she actually, for her birthday, I, I her birthday was last month, but I ordered it for her birthday cause it was expensive and That's right. everything else. But I got her the, the 20th anniversary, um, Pokemon 3DS, um, that has like the faceplate covers you can change out. Okay. Um, uh, but it came preloaded with uh, Pokemon Red and Blue, which are the um, they're the uh, emulated versions of the original games, but they've updated them so that you can actually trade with other 3DSs. Oh, and you'll okay. be able to take your yeah, you'll be able to take your Pokemon off later uh, to put into the new game that comes out later this year. That's cool. So, yeah. <laughs> so, but yeah, so then I had to buy Pokemon Yellow so I could play with her. God. Gosh, yeah. how much is that? And it required a stupid amount of setup time. People should be warned. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they. Uh, yeah, it was. It was a little ridiculous. The new. The new 3DS is fine, uh, but it, copying the stuff over from her old one was absolutely stupid. And then mm. I had to download the games uh, that were pre-installed again because it wiped the games off the, the 3DS. Like, oh, uh, yeah, great setup. Um, but uh, no, the 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 actual Pokemon Yellow I bought is ten bucks off of the the Pokemon Shop or not the Pokemon Shop, the 3DS Shop, mm-hmm. um, which isn't too bad. That's for, what I need to get. Yeah, and I mean, I mean, Pokemon Yellow is the better one of the three to buy. Okay. Um, if you're if you're just looking to play it, just because it has, um, it well, it was designed for Game Boy Color, not the original Game Boy, so it mm-hmm. is color ish. Um, but they, they added in, um, it's a little bit more like the actual anime, um, uh, mm. the original show because, um, they have the actual members of team rocket are in there. Uh, okay. Jesse and James are in there and your Pikachu that you get at the beginning of the game actually follows you around like the Pikachu in the show hmm. and you can turn around and talk to it and it, it'll, you know, show you a little facial expression if it's mad with you or not. So gotcha. or if it's happy and stuff. So it's cute. Um, but yeah, it's definitely it's definitely interesting. You know, if you're the, if you like Pokemon stuff, so I think it, I think it's worth the ten bucks, even if you're just awesome. 
Very good. So does that, does that pretty much sum up your last couple of weeks pretty well? Yeah, pretty much. Okay. <laughs> good. Yeah. I was not down with that sickness. Right. <laughs> All right, Mark. And what about you? What have you been doing in the world of media these past couple of weeks? Um, well, I guess highlights. Um, I watched actually a really good thriller on Netflix uh, called The Loft. Okay. Um, it's got uh, what's his name, James Marsden, who played yeah. Cyclops in uh, X Men. Mm-hmm. It had um, oh jeez, I'm bad with names tonight. Um, the guy who played uh, Dread, uh, the remake. Or, uh, 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 um, oh shit, what's his name? Anyways, he's in it. I can't remember. I know you're talking. Uh, oh, I can picture McCoy. him. McCoy. Who's McCoy? Uh, Urban. Carl Urban. That's it. Carl Urban. Yes. 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 Uh, so he's in it. Um, oh, the larger gay fellow in... Uh, oh, <laughs> I'm, so, I'm so lame tonight. Uh, who, who, that You know that Ed Harris show with... Um, <laughs> Latino girl? Uh <laughs> American family? No, not American. Oh, modern family. Modern family, yeah. So I guess the gay couple in that family, uh, Eric Saunders Street, I think his name is. Okay. He's in this movie. Um, so those are the main guys that I know. And uh, yeah, it, it's a really cool thriller about these five guys. They're all married. They're all horn dogs. And Carl Urban's character is an architect. And he kind of designs them a lot that they can share. So that they don't have to sneak into different hotels and whatnot. Hmm. So right off the bat, you know these guys are kind of scum, right? And something happens, and a girl winds up dead in their loft, and now it's a who done it? Okay. And it kind of goes back and forth in time. Hmm. Um, I, I thought it was really cool. Apparently, it's a remake, and it got remade. That uh, it's a third, I guess, a second remake, but the third time they actually make this story. Um, so yeah, so I liked it. That's one that I've been really wanting to see. It's on, it's been on my list for a while. I definitely yeah, a, a guy at work told me about it, so I'm like, okay, I'll okay. check it out. You know, he we kind of have this similar taste. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he also told me about a movie called Layla and Eve, okay. uh, w- with um, oh Jesus, uh, what's <laughs> Jenny uh, Jenny from the Block? Um, <laughs> Oh, I should actually take a nap before I do these podcasts. Anyways, <laughs> shit. If you look at my letterbox, I give it one star. Shit. Um, I did watch Maggie with uh, Schwarzenegger, which yeah. I like a lot. Um, <laughs> I watched Grown Ups 2. Oh, okay. I don't know why I did that. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't know why you did that either. Uh, oh, my I, God. One. I, I kind of like the first one. I thought the first one was funny. Uh, number two isn't. Instead of going to the to a cabin, it's like the last day of school, and all the guys are pretending they're like high school again. It's lame. Only good thing in the film is the cleavage. Yeah. There is so much cleavage in this movie. It's awesome. Um, I was able to go to a special screening at uh, my local movie house, the Mayfair, where they, once a month they uh, they play some uh, unadvertised called classic. Oh, okay. So uh, this time uh, it was uh, Faster Pusscat Kill Kill. Oh, very cool. The Rosemary film, which I had never seen before. Yeah. Um, interesting experience. Not really my type of film. Mm-hmm. Um, I just thought it was kind of boring. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, like I know there's a big, you know, like Rosemary is, you know, some people, they pray to the altar of Rosemary. Mm-hmm. I'm more of an Andy Sedaris guy. <laughs> you know, I'm more of a Malibu Express than a Fast and Post Kill Kill. Gotcha. Um, but, you know, it was cool to see because I'd never seen it before. And it's yeah. on a big screen. But it didn't really do much for me. Okay. That's a really cool experience, though. 
Yeah, exactly. You know, and I think it's cool that uh, this local theater does that, you know? Absolutely. Um, I guess run it out. I watched uh, Seeking a Friend for the End of the World. Oh, okay. Yeah, I like that one. Yeah, that one was pretty good. And I just watched The Room, which I liked, Mm -hmm. but it's not a film I'd ever watch again. That's the one that was nominated for the Oscar, right? Yeah, yeah. She had Brie Larson won for uh, Best uh, Female Actress this year. Okay. Um, so again, like it was a cool drama. Well, cool. It was an interesting drama. It was actually quite tense. I hadn't read the book, uh, but I knew about the book. Uh, it was very tense. Um, but after watching it, I don't think I'd ever buy it to rewatch it. Yeah. One of those films that, you know, worth checking out, but I, I don't see any long-term rewatchability in it. So I think that's that's the end of my path with this film. Yeah, that's why, frankly, I don't even really know what it's about, to be honest with you. Okay, um, without giving too many details away, mm-hmm. you find this girl in this four-sided room, or I guess four-walled room. Um, she has a son, and they can't get out. Hmm. Um, so if you think, oh, wow, this is kind of like Cube or something. No, it's not. <laughs> no, no, it's not. You know, it, it, it's based off a true story and all that stuff. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, it, 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 it's, it's, it's a kidnap and... Uh, Hmm. Yeah, I, I, there was a, a while ago, there was a girl who was in prison for like 15 years. You know, she got uh, uh, she got snatched up and then some guy just kept her like in a, in a basement type of thing. Right. Yeah. So this that. is a similar style film, you okay. know, so it's based in reality. You're not going to have her, you know, guns a blazing type of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was still it was, it was a great drama. Um, it's so every it's, time my sister goes, to, uh, comes and visits, it's. We'll always watch steps of films because she doesn't like horror and cult films. Oh, okay. And I will not watch this on my own because I would probably lose interest mm-hmm. on my own. But right. if I have to sit and watch it, then I'm actually engaged and uh, I enjoy it. So, Gotcha. So it's not not even thriller, just straight drama. Y- yeah, it's a straight okay. drama. I, I can't see it's th- oh, I, again And then again, there is one scene which is like, oh, what's going to happen, you know? Oh, okay. But it's not a thriller as per regular definition. Right. It's, it's more of a it's more of a human drama. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. And that's pretty much it between working and then having the visits. I didn't have much time to do anything else in the last two weeks. Okay. Apart from watching Kill Bill Volume 1 and Volume 2. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. Yeah. So, um, start with a, a little story. So I, I, as most of our listeners probably know, I, uh, for Christmas received a projector from my wife and my parents. And, uh, so I have like a movie theater in my basement now, which is just fantastic. You know, a big 120 inch screen. Well, the screen, when we set it up, it was supposed to be like a motorized screen that went up and down. Well, something happened in shipping and it got fucked up. So it didn't move up and down. It just stayed. It was stuck down, which was fine. Um, there were really there was really nothing else wrong with it other than that it wouldn't go up and down. So it wasn't a huge deal. Um, you know, I did contact the seller on Amazon and basically they said, you know, you can either wait for a replacement or we can re- refund your money and you can just hold on to the screen because we don't need it back. So I was like, oh, perfect. You know, I'll get my my money back and I'll have this screen. So it's like the best of both worlds, you know. Um, the only problems with the screen, it had a couple of waves on it on either end. I think it was just from the weight of it. Well, over the past couple of weeks, I noticed that the screen was starting to move down a little bit further because you could see like white sh- um, like paint marks at the top of it that weren't there previously. So the weight of it was pulling it down. Well, this morning I went down there and half of the screen was pulled out of the top of the, the, the casing, the housing up top. And so I had to take that down. So that's fucking ruined. So that sucked. But mm-hmm. I mean, it was free, so I can't complain too much. But now I got to buy another one. So now my dilemma is 
do I rebuy the same screen, which had a bunch of positive reviews on Amazon? I think I just got unlucky and, and got a dud. Or do I step up to the like the next step? The problem is the next step is literally twice the price, and it's a fixed screen. It's not it's not one that moves up and down. And yeah. so, like at this point, I'm not doing anything because I'm going on vacation, and so I don't want that giant you know ten foot long box sitting on my porch for a whole week. Uh, so I won't be able to do anything until next weekend. Um, you know, on the way back, I'll probably order it. But if anybody has any suggestions for me. If I if if the motorized one going up and down for 120 bucks is the way to go, or if I should pay 250 and get the fixed screen, the fi- fixed screen has tension rods and everything, so I know the actual screen itself won't have any waves in it. You know, it's going to be perfect, but I can't move it anywhere. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so that that's my dilemma. I just wanted to toss that out there. By any chance, if any of our listeners happen to use projectors and projector screens, I would love to hear your uh, your advice or your input on that. To see what you use because. This is my first foray into it, and I love it. Watching movies down there is heaven, um, but now I'm stuck because I don't have any screen down there at all. So that was my that was my story. And so if anybody has any suggestions, please let me know. I would really appreciate that. But anyway, other than that, uh, you know, as I mentioned, I was sick as well as uh, as well as Ash, um, and so I had a lot of time sitting on the couch. But I wasn't really in the movie watching mood. So what I did was watch one of my favorite sitcoms of all time. I'm such a sitcom guy. I love them. But I had a binge watch. Everybody Loves Raymond. I don't know if you guys ever watched that at all. <laughs> yep. But oh, I fucking, it's one of my favorites. I love it. And so I watched like the entirety. I was think I was on somewhere in season two. I watched the entirety of season two and all of season three. Uh, I was watching some more over the past week here. And I'm actually, now I'm at like season five, few episodes in, trying to finish it. I have a, I want to finish the series. Then I have a documentary called Exporting Raymond, I think is the name of it. I bought a while back and it's about um, like translating Everybody Loves Raymond for foreign audiences and uh, it's supposed to be a really good documentary. So I'm, that's my my follow up to finishing the entirety of Everybody Loves Raymond is going to be. What do you guys think of everything? You don't like it? I'm just not a fan of, okay. of those types of sitcoms anymore. Maybe when I was younger, but now that I've discovered all these better tv shows yeah i can't go back to the hokiness but you know if you had a high fever i understand <laughs> why you might want to watch that you know I brad garrett it. is a funny stand-up yeah. um but yeah no i'm just i think i'm past that three camera you know laugh tracky sitcom stuff well speaking of sitcoms the other thing i did over the past segway was binge watch fuller house in two <laughs> sittings and that was fucking awesome I I loved it. I know, Mark, you're not a fan. You're not going to watch it. And that's totally <sighs> fine. Just give me a minute. I'll be okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I've been debating watching it. I've been debating watching you it. But I, 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 I don't want to inflict it on my wife because I don't think she'd like it much. No. It's, but, I mean, if you yeah. like the original, you'll probably like the, the, the reboot. But I, I kind of like the original. Okay. But um, my problem with the original is I was forced to watch it like every mm-hmm. Friday night that I was like, visiting my 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 dad um oh, gotcha. there, were, there was no option it yeah was like ugh. yeah and i liked it but i would have liked the option but yeah right. so there's there's an emotional thing yeah. to it tgi friday. <laughs> tgi friday was my shit like that was my prime age i was i was the same age as yeah. mary kate and ashley olsen and that, that's how you know i'm their age um and so i was watching uh, you know, around that time, and uh, just something I grew up with. My my family always watched TGI Friday. I always looked forward to on whatever channel it was, ABC or whatever. 
And uh, so it's something I always loved. And I love watching them now, going back and watching them. And the reboot is great. Not only is Stephanie just gorgeous, DJ has, she's gorgeous too. So, I mean, there's a lot of eye candy in there. And the show itself is just really fun. It's, um, I think it's like less cheesy than the original, but there are still cheesy moments that, you know, you would expect having watched the series, but it just got announced for a second season and I cannot wait. I'm loving it. I know. I saw that and I was so excited. (laughs) (laughs) No, really. My, my grin is from ear to ear. It's really hard to emote properly right now. Oh, man. Yeah, wake me up when they do a reboot of Step by Step. <laughs> oh, I fucking love Step by Step. Ah, uh, you would. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a huge sick. I love sitcoms. I don't know what it is. King of Queens and their favorite of mine. Yes, dear. I mean, the list goes on. I love sitcoms. I don't know why. Yeah. But. Oh, hey, I won't fault you for it. Hey, I appreciate that. <laughs> we might later. But yeah, right, exactly. Right, right now getting a pass. <laughs> um, yeah, I've been doing like I've I've had the the retro video game bug bit again, mm-hmm. and so I've been doing a lot of research on what I want to collect. Like I've been watching like Metal Jesus on YouTube is awesome. He's a he's a great guy to watch on YouTube, and a bunch of other people I've been watching lately, and they're about collecting. Um, like complete, complete collections of a certain, um, you know, uh, console. Like for example, complete SNES collection, complete NES collection. You know, whatever this, whatever the case is. And I was thinking, yeah, I'm going to do that with uh, Nintendo 64 because it has a relatively small collection compared to others, mm-hmm. and it'd be a fun one to collect for because I love the N64. But and I was thinking, like, what a waste of money it'll be because I'm, I'll collect all you know, 260 plus games or whatever it is, and I'll probably play, you know, a few dozen of them. Yeah, And so I decided that that's not the right way to go for me. And so what I did is actually go through like the list of the games that like complete list of games that came out in the US and picked which ones I actually want to play and want to own. And so I've been going through that with the SNES, the NES, the N64 and trying to figure out which games I want to play and which games I want to own. And so I've been spending a lot of time on YouTube doing that, which I don't know. I've just been been stuck on YouTube a lot lately. I get I get sucked in and just don't <laughs> can't find my way out. It's just how it goes. But I also bought a new lighting kit and a new microphone for my DSLR. And so the reason I did that is because I really want to start putting a focus on uh, YouTube. And so I want to start doing you know different things with YouTube and whether it's unboxing videos, reviews playing through video games, whatever the hell it is that I decide I want to do, which is probably going to be a combination of all those things. Um, I have a new, got two new uh, soft lights, light boxes, and a Rode microphone that's going to be a lot better for sound quality because what I was using in the past for the unboxing was my uh, my Mac, I'm mean, sorry, my, my laptop with its webcam and the built-in microphone. It just, it's bad quality, bad lighting, bad sound, and so... Um, I purchased those in hopes to improve all of that and kind of give myself a kick in the ass to play or to, to do that more YouTube, more YouTube video. So I'm excited about that. Should be fun. Hmm. But yeah, I'm wanting to get back into like retro gaming and like <laughs> I kicked myself for getting rid of the systems as they came along. Yeah. I did you know, too. I got, I got rid of my PlayStation, got rid of my PS2, got rid of my, what it hurts me the most is get rid of my Dreamcast. Because I had so many games for the Dreamcast. And some of them, I think, were rare. And I still believe the Dreamcast had the best home version of Marvel vs. Capcom 2. 
yeah. just the way the controllers were, it was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, and then just to re- try to rebuild that collection, it cost me hundreds and thousands. And right. I, I don't know if I want to, but if I still had them, I'd be playing the hell out of them. Right. You know? Exactly. I still have mine. <laughs> oh, <laughs> well, I have, I have, I have my PlayStation from PlayStation and N64 on because uh, I never mm-hmm. had the SNES. I had the NES, but mm-hmm. I didn't have a lot of like the good games. I had like some. I had a couple good games, but yeah, and my NES quit working a long, long time ago. So, mm-hmm. but yeah, I've got like fifty-five games <laughs> like the PS2, <laughs> <laughs> just a few. Yeah, I I had everything. You know, I had NES, SNES, Genesis, Dreamcast, all PlayStation, PS2, all this shit, and you know, the, over the past couple of years, we've been talking about moving, and I've already had I already had to move all the shit from West Virginia back to Detroit, and mm-hmm. I wasn't about to move them again. And so I was like, you know, fuck this, I'm just going to get rid of this shit. I, I sold all of my my vintage video game stuff, and you know, got a lot got a lot for it. I got enough for it to. You know, purchase new newer stuff. Like I got my Xbox One just yeah. on trade-ins. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and multiple video games for it. So I mean, I got a lot for it. So I don't uh, regret what I have now. But obviously, I have to you know give up some things for that. And so that's what I did. Um, and with a lot, of, honestly, with the expensive ones, like I'm not spending the obscene amount of money for it. You know, I could just play it on my play it on my computer, basically. Yeah. And, uh, you know what I mean? At this point, cause anything I'm buying is going to be used anyway. So not like I'm not like the company would get any money for it anyway. So it's not a really big deal to me. Um, that's, you know, the one thing I don't mind doing on the computer. But yeah. The only real thing I have left is my old Sega mass system. Oh, okay. Yeah. And I, ha- I had everything. Like I've got the extra, the special sticks. I've got <laughs> the 3d glasses. Wow. Uh, yeah. So that still works. And it's awesome when I hook it up once in a while. That's cool. Yeah, so that's pretty much all I get. I get my ritual play at this, or my ritual play at this time is just yeah. uh, hooking up the old Sega. That's I was never, I wasn't Nintendo guy until the N sixty four. Okay. Yeah, I, I did have like, I used to trade my systems uh, like uh, with friends, so I'd get mm-hmm. into Super Nintendo once in a while and whatnot. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I was uh, a SMS and a Genesis guy, and it was so difficult for me to rent eight bit SMS games. Yeah, I bet back in the day. Because nobody rented them. It was all Nintendo. Yeah, like I, I don't even, I didn't even realize like the SMS was a thing until like recently, when I, yeah. well, I mean, a few years ago now. But um, when I was growing up, like I had an NES, I had an SNES, and then I um, had a PlayStation. I never had an N64 when I was younger. Never had a Genesis, and I never had a uh, Sega Master System. Mm-hmm. And uh, even when I, the with the retro stuff I had most recently. The one thing I didn't have out of like the main ones was the master system. Okay. But I've uh, heard heard a lot of good things about it and uh, definitely well, one that would be cool to have. The reason why I didn't get a Nintendo when I was like eight or nine years old mm-hmm. is because I didn't like that robot Bob. Was it Bob? Yeah. Was it Rob? Uh, oh my God. Robbie the uh, robot or is it Bobby? I, I, I don't remember. R-O-B. But whatever the robot was, yeah. I just didn't like it so i'm like i don't want that it's just gonna break <laughs> anyways like they made what two games for it stupid yeah, it was, um, i was yeah, watching so angry video game nerd play with it and it just looks terrible yeah it doesn't look like fun so it looks cool now like i wish <laughs> i had one now you know just to put on the mantle but uh, yeah that's the reason why i never had a nintendo is because i didn't like the robots my parents bought me a uh, sega mass system instead that's funny and i started playing hang on and i was hooked 
<laughs> Very good. Yeah. Um, I guess one last thing. I started. Um, I, I bought my 2DS, so now I have a pretty good first party collection. I got uh, Super Mario 3D World, New Super Mario Brothers 2, Super Smash, um, Majora's Mask, Zelda, uh, Link Between Worlds, Zelda, and Animal Crossings and Mario Kart 7. Um, and so that's that's going on vacation with me. So I'm excited to dive in there. I've been playing Mario Kart a, a good deal, um, and it's a lot of fun. Uh, the only complaint I guess I have is I wish the multiplayer had more map options. Okay. But other than that, it's, you know, it's it's exactly what I expected it to be, you know, a Mario Kart game. So, mm-hmm. yeah. The other thing I picked up, which was really cool, was the um, new Blu-ray release of Pieces. Okay. And it's from Grindhouse Releasing, and it looks fantastic. Grindhouse Releasing is awesome. They do such good work with their releases. Uh, the other ones I have from them... Um, gonna completely draw a blank i could turn around and look i guess but um corruption with uh with peter welling i believe and fulci's the beyond That's okay and they're just loaded with special features the the um restorations they do on them are fantastic this one um, like it's a three disc a deluxe edition, two Blu-rays and a CD, just like, um, the beyond had had a CD with it. Um, mm-hmm. but it has two complete versions, the 83 minute original unrated us theatrical and the 86 minute uncensored director's cut, which is presented in Spanish. And there's a audio commentary, new audio options, uh, full length documentary on here. I mean, the list goes on and on very cool release. Cannot wait to dive in. I've always wanted to see this film because Eli Roth has always praised it as one of his major inspirations. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's one I've always wanted to see. And uh, it was super, it was like stupid expensive on DVD because it was out of print. And so I w- saw this was coming out. At first, it was marked at like 50 bucks. And I was like, fuck that. Like, I'm not doing it. But then I saw it was on sale for like 28 the past uh, like couple weeks before it came out. So I ended up pre-ordering it. And that just came in today. And so I'm pretty excited about that to finally dive into that. That see that this is a perfect example of what I want to use YouTube for is mm-hmm. to kind of showcase um, a lot of the, like cult and older horror films like this, and um, kind of go over the special features and things like that. So definitely one I I hope to do with that in the future. But have you guys ever seen Pieces at all? I haven't. Okay. Nope. Okay. Well, I'll have to tell you my thoughts when I get around to watching it, which hopefully will be sooner rather than later because I've been really excited for this release for a while now. So. And that's it. That is our weeks, I guess, in the past couple of weeks here. It's weeks. So, yeah, exactly. All right. So with that in mind, let's jump into our reviews for today. Continuing the Tarantino-thon with Kill Bill Volume 1 and Volume 2. We're going to talk about Kill Bill Volume 1 first. And as I always warn, there will be spoilers for both Kill Bill Volume 1 and Kill Bill Volume 2. So if you've not seen the film, I highly suggest you pause now, go watch them, and then pick up where you left off. So starting with Kill Bill Volume 1, this is obviously directed by Quentin Tarantino and written by Tarantino. The character of the bride is actually something that Uma Thurman and Quentin Tarantino kind of collaborated on to create. Uh, Kill Bill Volume 1, which came out in 2003, has an 8.1 rating on IMDb and a Metacritic score of 69, which is surprisingly low in my opinion. Yeah, me too. Uh, um, So quick uh, synopsis here. This is from IMDb. 
The bride wakens from a four-year coma. The child she carried in her womb is gone. Now she must wreak vengeance on the team of assassins who betrayed her, a team she was once a part of. And that is Kill Bill Volume 1. So before we jump into the discussion on the film here, let's talk about our history with the film. Um, Ash, what is your history with just Kill Bill Volume 1? Um, actually, well, I saw both in theaters. Okay, uh, as in, if you can separate it. So, yeah, you can. Um, it's totally fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, went with a friend uh, before she went to Japan. She was still in school at the time here in the U.S. Um, but, uh, yeah, we went and saw both parts. I, I believe we saw maybe. Yeah. Anyway, uh, saw, both, saw both in the theater with her because uh, my wife just not interested in Quentin Tarantino films, gotcha. um, and my friend was. So we went and saw both. Uh, but uh, I, I when we went and saw it, uh, both times it was uh, not even a quarter full theater. Uh, <laughs> but uh, and it was still kind of awesome to, to uh, see in theaters. Yeah, I, that, definitely a film that if they came back, I'd want them to do both together and in theaters, and I would absolutely go see it. I think it'd be a ton of fun. All right, and what about you, Mark? What is your history with Kill Bill Volume 1? I remember going to see Kill Bill Volume 1 at the Globe Cinema in Winnipeg okay. with uh, some co-workers, and we had snuck in a bottle of Amaretto <laughs> to go with our large Coca-Colas. Awesome. So... Even though we knew the movie was going to be awesome, it was that much better <laughs> on smuggled Amaretto Cokes. So, uh, yeah. Nice. Uh, yeah, it's one of the it's, – it's, I think it's the first kill – or the first kill, but the first Tarantino film I remember seeing in theaters uh, before home video. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, and I was drunk. <laughs> Very cool. Yeah, I have been thinking about this for you know, the past couple weeks, and I – as far as I can remember, this is the first Tarantino film I saw, period, was Kill Bill Volume 1. Um, and I think that kind of plays into my – what I'm gonna, we're, we're going to talk about later, kind of my view on the film. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I believe this was the first one I ever saw. I didn't see it in theaters, never seen it in theaters, and uh, just saw it on DVD. That was when I was – like I first was starting to collect – uh, DVDs that was probably right around when this came out, you know, sometime around here. And, uh, it was one of the ones I, I, I purchased on DVD without seeing, which is just a habit I've never gotten rid of, unfortunately. <laughs> um, and, uh, I loved it the first time I saw it. Uh, it was just I, so unique in a way because I, even now really, I'm just unfamiliar with the, all of the, um, the inspirations that are behind this. And so to me, this was just so unique and different and, uh, and I loved it for that, but all right. So that's our history. Let's jump into our thoughts on the film. So kind of right at the beginning, we get an idea of what's to come with this very grindhouse opening right from the very start. Um, and you know, with the words revenge is a dish best served cold. I mean, it's just a perfect entrance into into what's about to happen and then we go to that stark black and white scene um very blunt i love the black and white choice and it just kind of thrusts you into it yet again what were you guys thoughts on the opening of of kill bill volume one i well being a star trek fan i absolutely love the opening line of dialogue or text there um but yeah the uh um no, I loved the the opening to it. It it just kind of sets a tone mm-hmm. 
just kind of instantly of what you know what they're gonna do with it. Right. Yeah, the film uh, pretty much uh, avoids uh, any subterfuge by hiding what type of violence is going to be occurring. <laughs> So, you know, it pretty much shoots you right, shoots you in the face right off the bat. <laughs> and uh, you kind of, you know, you it settles you in for the ride that you're going to have. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, yeah. So it really, you know, the movie starts off in high gear and really doesn't let go. Yeah. Um, one thing I love is the transition from this, this opening scene to the next scene. And so we get this black and white scene to the, the second scene, which is almost an overload of color. Um, with the, the bright reds and the yellows and everything. Um, and then that goes into the fight scene, which is just this every, every fight scene in this film is just so beautifully choreographed and just so well filmed. Um, but continuing with it, with the talk of color in the house itself, there's all this color. And then with the, the cereal box that she, you know, shoots through, I think is what happens or the knife goes, whatever the case is, there's cereal it everywhere. Shoots. Yeah. It yeah. shoots through. Yeah. She had and, a gun in the box. And uh, just just this overload of color that I thought was so awesome. One thing I didn't like about the fight, mm-hmm. and it's actually Vernita Green's character. Okay. The way Vivica Fox kept using bitch, <laughs> it just sounded just so, like, inorganic to me. You yeah. know, it's like, I'm going to get you, bitch. It's like, yeah. like, come on, bitch. Like, nobody really talks like that. But then again, it's a Tarantino film, right? I was going to say, that's, I felt like, I feel like that's kind of something that happens throughout this entire two movies. Yeah. It's kind of that um, intentionally forced dialogue to kind of give it that grindhouse feel. Maybe, yeah. It's like a forced vulgarity, you know? Yeah. Well, um, not not just the grindhouse feel. Mm-hmm. I think part of it... Um, this it, it, while well, it's a revenge flick, it's mix of a of like a kung fu flick and a western, mm-hmm. and, and he mixes the two revenge flicks. But in both that he's trying to do, I think he's got that kind of that forced dialogue feel to make it feel almost like it's a bad dub. Hey, that, uh, that's a good point. Yeah, I didn't think of that. It's a really cool. That's a really cool point because it doesn't just, it doesn't feel fluid like his dialogue usually does. Right, you know, it's abrupt and it's kind of harsh sounding, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but going back to the types of films, I also like. I, I find, especially the first one, maybe because of of its uh, Asian uh, settings, but mm-hmm. it felt very much like a pinky violence film to me. Oh, okay. You, are you familiar with that genre at all? Um, I've I've heard the term, but I've not seen any that I know of. It, it, it's kind of like a well. There's a great collection called the Pinky Violence Collection. It came out years ago. Okay, um, and it's like I guess. Mm, 70s yakuza film okay. uh, you know gangster uh, underground cd thing where uh, you know uh, women are involved one might get slighted left for dead and she gets revenge so it's in a way it's like a it's a japanese version of like the american revenge film okay or like yeah. you know um very good like I, i'd have to pull the series off my shelf but i guess there's four movies in the the series I got, and then you can buy others like separately, but it comes mm-hmm. in the pink case and all four are fantastic. Like cool. if you can find it online, I'll, I'll go and I'll run and get it, but it's, it's totally worth checking out. And what was it? It's just called the pinky. Yeah. It's called the pinky Vans collection. Give me two I seconds. Know. I'm going to go run and get it because okay. uh, I'm giving it a disservice. Give me one second. No problem. Okay. So this came from uh, panic, panic house entertainment. Okay. And this was released 
doesn't say on the box, but the films in question, uh, they're based between 1971 and 1973. And uh, the ones in this collection, I've got Delinquent, Girl Boss, Worthless to Confess, Girl Boss, Guerrilla, uh, Terrifying Girls, High School, Lynch Law, Classroom. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, and, and Criminal Woman, Killing Melody. Um, <laughs> it's got uh, uh, Rico E.K. in it. Um, it's got Mimi or Miki Sugimoto, Riko Oshida. Um, these films, I did not, I, the reason why I discovered this collection is because of Rumorg magazine. They oh, okay. did an article, uh, regarding this collection. Oh man, it's all probably over a decade ago. And, mm. uh, I picked it up right away and it's worth it. It is as per the, um, uh, flavor text, the creme de la creme of Japanese exploitation cinema. That's so awesome. totally worth it. I can uh, take a uh, picture of the uh, collection, which is very nice, by the way, and uh, slap it on uh, my Twitter if anybody wants to take a quick look or just go on Amazon.com.ca.org and check out the Pinky Violence Collection by Panic with a K House Entertainment. Now, if someone wanted to find you on Twitter, how might they do that? Oh, that's quite easy. You can go to uh, <laughs> www.twitter.com. Uh, slash Mark with a C underscore Nado. Uh, that's a November Alpha Delta Echo Alpha uniform. And I'd be happy to uh, uh, take pictures oh. and uh, direct messages saying how good I am. Holy shit, man. This thing is $100 on Amazon.com. Yeah, well, it's a decade wow. old. I think I probably paid like 60 bucks when it first came out. Wow. But, like, okay. The case itself, um, it's, it's actually... It, it feels like it feels like a young girl's diary. You open it up <laughs> and the movies come out. Oh my god. But uh yeah, it's it's kind of got like a like a soft VHS clamshell cover to it. Okay. Um it's very cool. Like That's awesome. female bikers, gang violence, cat fights, tons of nudity, tons of tattoos. Um <laughs> we're checking out. Hell yeah. Very mm-hmm. cool. So if you like Kill Bill, you will love these films. Definitely. That sounds awesome. I'll definitely have to check it out. Yeah. All right, there are some amazing shots in this. Just like uh, you know, there are some amazing shots in all of his films thus far. Um, but one one that comes to mind here in this area that we're talking about is this overhead shot of it's like the kitchen and the dining room with the there's the narration over it. I believe it's um, the bride talking about who the people are in the scene, who the um, Vivica Ace Fox character is in the scene, um, and it's just a really cool shot. It's a really interesting moment that I really liked. Another another moment in this scene that I have to point out was: Did you guys catch the uh, the Pulp Fiction reference? Hmm. Well, you did have um, Bud. He was wearing a black suit. Am I? Am I? The I would say no. Uh, I do not recall such a reference. <laughs> so the bride. I don't know what the sentence is, but it ends with the word square. And she oh, makes oh, a square with like square. one thing. Yeah. yeah, I loved that. I thought that was really cool. Yeah, but uh, stupid things like that get me excited. So, <laughs> but uh, full yeah. house. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, yeah. Oh yeah. Now, now you're talking. Yeah. So, I don't know. Just I loved the 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 fight choreography here. If you guys had to pick a fight scene just out of this first film. What do you? What would you say was your favorite? Hmm. I would have to go with the for for the first film. Mm-hmm. I would have to go with the fight with Oren at the end. 
Okay. Yeah. Um, as much as the first scene with uh, Miss Green was colorful and whatnot, I, I think, again, the language kind of just really just put me off because yeah. it just didn't feel right. It felt like sandpaper. Yeah. Sonic sandpaper. Um, so I like the Oren fight, you know. You, uh, it, it's you, out. Oh, go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. But do you prefer the the actual fight with Oren that's outside in the snow versus the crazy 88? Yes, I prefer the okay. fight with the snow. Okay. Um, it was you know it's it's uh Fimano a Fimano. Um, mm-hmm. it, it's outside. You got the snow. You've got that that uh, that fountain yeah. with that uh, with bamboo bucket. Mm-hmm. You know, just the sound of it kind of give yes. you the heartbeat of the scene. Right. And what's really cool is that uh, as per uh, the trivia I looked up online, since there's no trivia track on the Blu-ray release I had, <laughs> um, Oren says. I hope you saved your energy after the crazy 88 fight. Mm-hmm. If you haven't, you may not last five minutes. And then from the time the music cue starts to the time that her scalp gets sliced, the fight lasts four minutes and 59 seconds. Oh, no shit. How cool is that? Huh? That's awesome. Yeah, I thought so. <laughs> Very good. And what about you, Ash? What would you say was your favorite fight in this one? Uh, <clears throat> I, I like the fight with Oren. Um, I think that one's probably my favorite. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's as far as fights go, I do love the fight like with the, the crazy 88 up until the point where everybody comes running in. <laughs> uh, I think the, the, the ball and chain fight um, was really well done. Yeah. Uh, choreograph wise, but I think impact wise, the fight with Oren is probably more intense. Yeah, it's definitely uh, the Oren fight is definitely the, the climactic fight in the film, obviously. Um, and I, I would agree with you there that it's very impactful. But for my money, and 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 the thing I remember most from watching this film back in whenever two thousand five, two thousand four, whenever I watched it initially, is the fight with the crazy eighty eight. And uh, I just I love that. I and that I'm including I guess everything from. When she slices, I don't remember the character's name, her arm off all the way through with the the mace, which is just awesome. And then um, at the end, when all the people start coming in and she's kind of, you know, toward the end of it, jumps up on the railing and everything. I mean, it's just so, it's just awesome to watch. Um, it's like, it reminds me of the scene in the second Matrix film, except not shitty. <laughs> yeah. But I, yeah, I love that. I love that, that fight in the film, but I, I do like the, the first one as well. I do uh, have a question Yeah, Re- regarding the fights with the uh, 88s. Mm-hmm. There is a one, there's one segment of the, I guess, of the fight where the screen turns blue and everybody's <laughs> in a silhouette. Yes. Was that animated? That looks animated. Oh, I don't know. Like the black silhouettes on the blue background. To me, I think it, huh. you know, it, it could be them actually doing it. But to me, it had this animated feel to it, this surreal feel. So I, think I just that's what he was going for, but I think it, they actually had a real fight there. Oh, it's very possible. I just the way it, it was shot or whatever filter they used, it just seemed it seemed like a like a cartoon almost. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, very good catch because obviously, you know, one would assume that would be intentional, given that you know the moments before this, we go through this like entire anime scene. Mm-hmm. Which is, you know, ultra violent, which is a very good, you know, foreshadowing of what's to come. Yeah. Um, so clearly, uh, probably something he was going for, and I think that's a really interesting um, thought. I've, I don't, I don't know for sure, obviously, but mm-hmm. yeah. Um, so, and kind of what I, 
alluded to earlier, this Kill Bill Volume 1, it just, it feels to me, it's like Tarantino Unleashed. Uh, Tarantino without any restrictions is kind of what it feels like to me. Um, like they have all this split screen stuff in the beginning, um, these, these crazy musical choices, um, the, the overt sense that I'm watching a film. Um, and that's clearly something he wants you to feel, which jumping the gun, he does that in the very beginning of Kill Bill volume two, where she's directly addressing the audience, breaking mm-hmm. that fourth wall. Um, and just to me, this is Quentin Tarantino. Um, and it's probably because this is the first thing I've seen of his. And so this is just what I, what I think of when I think of Tarantino It's just this over the topness to that, to everything. And just, um, uh, the violence, um, the, the license, the use of licensed music, which I think he does better than almost anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's just an overwhelming feeling that I got kind of toward the, um, beginning of this film. Yeah, I, I feel the same way. Like it, it's like he was. Uh, I, I I think with Jackie Brown, he was kind of handcuffed a bit to mm-hmm. the source material. Yeah. So with this film, he got free reign again, and he right. just blew the volcano uh, off top off. You know his his creative mind. He just went all out for it, and it, to me, it worked. And it's weird to see him using other locations outside of Los Angeles to yeah. such an extent, because that's kind of you know where these first. I, I believe, yeah, right. These were all first. His first films have been set, yeah. Um, and so he's kind of branching out. Um, and it's you know literally worldly because he travel. They travel around the world in this. Um, and so yeah, it's I don't know, just interesting to me. Yeah, he uh, he. I guess he based his uh, his crew out of Beijing. Okay, and then, uh, filmed in Japan and filmed uh, a few more places in the Orient, mm-hmm. and then uh, you know they had like three, four different translators for the crew because they're all locals. <laughs> Oh wow! So, uh, yeah, he according against the official features, uh, yeah. he uh, he loved it, you know, because yeah, that's something new cool. for him, right? He was out of his uh, out of exactly. his uh, wheelhouse, yeah. and uh, yeah, again, he succeeded with flying covers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this just feels so different than what we've what we've gotten in you know Reservoir Dogs, Pulp Fiction, and Jackie Brown. It just feels there's almost more of a shine to it that that the grittiness of those first three really is not there which is not a bad thing by any stretch mm-hmm. um and i don't think he's quote unquote selling out that's not what i mean anything like that just um it just feels different you know i love it i love how it feels like i you know i love the movie but the scene where she is um you know uh just coming back out of her out of her whatever it was four year right coma um yeah that scene <laughs> with um What's it, Mike Bowen? Maybe from he was in Jackie Brown as well. Yeah, he was uh, one of the detective that's not Michael Keaton. Yep, exactly, exactly. Yeah. He's playing Buck. Yeah, Buck's ready to fuck. And yeah, what is it like to do, boys? <laughs> <laughs> oh. And um, yeah, he does. He does a, a great job as that sleazy, disgusting um, ner- male nurse. Um, but. The music when when that when the male nurse comes back and he sees it as his friends on the ground or whoever the guy who's paying him to have sex with um the bride uh, and she's missing it just it reminded me of like uh, a slasher film from the eighties the way it went I, I do you guys remember that moment do you remember that song the music that was chosen for that point I'll be honest I don't I, I, I watched this invading for two week hiatus so I, I don't know. remember the music me too I think it was like the 
um, like the real sharp back and forth, like, but I can't, I I can't do it. Ah, Uh, But fucking that's what happens when you watch it two weeks that's why i like watching things like the day before or two days before yeah i don't i don't remember that one at all but so we'll just move ahead on that one um but the way she just destroys his head with the door she bites his lip i mean just (laughs) just awesome like the the special effects and the violence in that scene was so great and so deserved because he's such a piece of shit yes he is (laughs) um so they showed the second death before the first. And so the audience already knows that the bride, you know, kills Cottonmouth going in, um, which takes a bit from the tension. But I think that the, you know, the upcoming fight scene is so cool that it doesn't matter. Um, and so, but I think that's an interesting choice because again, we're another Tarantinoism where you get kind of, uh, what am I, what's the word I'm, I'm searching for? Non sequential filmmaking, well, non linear filmmaking. Well, not necessarily nonlinear filmmaking, nonlinear film entirely. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That. That's. You're right. That's what I mean. Yeah. It shuffled. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Much like you know we've seen in um, all of his movies. Maybe not so much in Reservoir Dogs, but no, no, we did. No, in pretty much all of them. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. Even in Jackie Brown, he's got some. Right. Yep. Yeah, and then. Just kind of going through my notes here, more more Tarantino unleashed. You know, you get the full-fledged anime scene right in the middle of the action movie. Um, it just it just feels like this, you know, I, I, don't, I doubt it's the first time, but I feel like it might be the first time that he's been able to have so much budget behind some of his crazy ideas. And he just went, went for it 100%. And uh, the result is just unforgettable, I think. Yeah, it's the first time he can actually work with a real budget on something that he wants to do. Right. You know, um, and and it shows. Yeah. You know. I loved, um, I can't remember his name, and they say it a hundred times because it's his swords, but the, the Japanese cook that she meets in the restaurant who eventually obviously is the sword maker. Atari oh. Hanzo. Yes, yes, there it is. He, he, I thought he was excellent. Yes. Well, funny fact. So that's Sony Chiba, right? Okay. You know, yes. from Street Fighter, the original Street Fighter from the <laughs> 70s. So back in the 80s, uh, he played a character called Hattori Hanzo mm-hmm. on a show called Shadow Warriors. And that's at least the, the US version of the uh, a, uh, Japanese TV show that he did. Mm-hmm. So let's say it lasted 10 episodes. Then, you know, they gauged the reaction. It got yeah. popular. So then instead of making, you know, another season right away, they waited a bit, did season two, uh, called Shadow Warriors 2. But now he would play the same character, but it was set in a different generation. So mm-hmm. in the season one, he was the original Hanto, uh, Hattori Hanzo. In season two, he's like Hattori Hanzo the second, and <laughs> so on and so forth, right? Okay. So when he's playing Hattori Hanzo in Kill Bill, he's the hundredth Hattori Hanzo. <laughs> Wow. So he's a descendant of the character that he played himself on television all those years ago <laughs> that Tarantino used to watch as a kid growing up. Right. That is so fucking awesome. That is very awesome. <laughs> yeah, I did love that. Yeah. That's so cool. I, I Yeah. And I mean, that's, it's just, you could just keep peeling back layers of the onion, right? And just so finding out so much because it's Tarantino. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's just so respectful of what his, you know, what his inspirations are. And I love that. Yeah. Um, so I love the I love the scene with 
with him and uh, taking a month to make the sword. And then she writes Bill on the wind. I mean, just a great scene. And I instantly, and I haven't even, I haven't looked it up yet, but I'm sure they make them. I instantly wanted a Kill Bill replica sword, like the one that he makes. I, oh, they have I'm to make them. Sh- I'm sure they do. Like, man, that I, I want that hanging on my fucking wall in the basement. Like, that would just be so badass. <laughs> yeah, I'd be very surprised if he didn't have exactly. any replicas. I'm sure <laughs> NECA has got, you know. Yeah. Now that it's a decade later, they probably right. have warehouses full of them. <laughs> uh, and then we get to the crazy 88 scene. Um, the beheading was incredible. Remind me who she beheads, though, because I'm fucking drawing a blank. In which scene? Oh, uh, uh, Tanaka, the- Boss Tanaka. Oh, yeah, okay. Oh, yeah, yes, Tana- yes. Because Tanaka's the one giving her shit. Right. Yeah, see, I'm never watching the film two weeks in advance again. This is not no, happening. N- n- neither am I. <laughs> Fortunately, I watched volume two today, so I'll be a little more fresh on that one. But, um, yeah, and then uh, just this introduction of, of what I believe, at least, is the Kill Bill theme song with... Um, yeah. I, I can picture that walking down, walking into the building and just this, this theme going, I mean, it's just perfect. Mm-hmm. Such a great scene. Um, I, I, and I wrote down that the, the club server wearing the yellow with the brown stripes and he had the bald hat. I look like, I said, he, he looks like Charlie friggin' Brown. And then, and then seconds later, that's the exact line. They call him Charlie Brown. I just, I thought that was awesome. Yeah, that's pretty funny. <laughs> um, yeah, so we get first the transaction to uh, transition rather to black and white, and then um, with that fight scene, um, and then we go with the blink of an eye back to color, and then we have the use of the shadows over the blue black around that you already talked about. I mean, it's just a mm-hmm. really stunning scene to watch, just some just amazing to look at. Yeah, it, it was a cool scene. It wasn't my favorite scene, mm-hmm. but I I thought the fight scene was very cool. Yeah, because uh, it's it's something that you really didn't see much. You know, it's it's yeah. like he's pulling all these different genres out of his hat from like, you know, from his childhood and he's putting a fresh coat of paint on it and everybody's clapping in approval because when was the last time you saw a film of that, of this, na- of this nature, right? You know? Like mm-hmm. he, he's winning our appetites for something that we didn't know we wanted. Yeah. Exactly. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So this obviously leads up to the, the O-Ren fight, which, you know, it's in this tranquil garden. Um, you talked about it you know, and you, what you said was pretty spot on to how I feel about it as well. Thank you very um, much. All leading up to that scalping, you know, that scalping, however the hell mm-hmm. you say the word. Um, scalping. Yeah. Scalping. What a, just, just what a, what an incredible scene. Um, it, it was beautiful. Yeah. Know? Cause you know what was going to happen because her mm-hmm. name was already scratched off the list when exactly. she went to see Verna yep. or, uh, whatever, uh, First. Verni- Vernita. Mm-hmm. Um, so you, you knew it was going to end well for Oren, but, yeah. uh, you, you still kind of held your breath a bit to see how it was going to pan out. Mm-hmm. Then there's a, there's a quote. I don't remember if it's said or if it's written, whatever the case is, but it revenge is never a straight line and it kind of just perfectly embodies, uh, why this film isn't in chronological order. Mm-hmm. Um, and just got the the whole of the film. It's just such a what just an excellent choice choice of lines. Um, and then obviously at the very end, which I forgotten about, and then kind of forgot about when I was rewatch where I was watching volume two today, um, with the line, "Is she aware that her daughter is still alive?" Why? Woof! What? Yeah, you know? that's awesome, man. So cool. It's just uh, you know all I wrote at the end here was just what a fucking film. Like I love kill bill volume one 
the the violence is just spot on um the dialogue though at points it's definitely has a forced feel to it like you were saying um but overall i still think it works really well um and just to me and again, probably because this is the first experience I had with Tarantino, this is Quentin Tarantino to me. This is about as Tarantino as it gets. Yeah. Um, and I fucking love it. And that's why I love him and his work. So, well, uh, Did you know that this film was the first film that had less than 100 fucks in it? Really? <laughs> yeah. It's <laughs> no his first shit. movie where he's, uh, he said the F word less than 100 times. Wait, wait, wait. Does that in, with both parts together or just the first one? Just the first one. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, it was uh, <laughs> it was spoken only seventeen times. Oh wow! Yeah. <laughs> and something else which I found quite interesting. Yeah. Um, okay, so uh, I'll go death count later on when we finish talking about volume two. Okay. But in this one, so you've got the deadly viper assassination, assassination squad, right? And you've got L Driver, which is uh, uh, Daryl Hannah. Mm-hmm. She goes to kill. Uh, the bride in the hospital. Yeah. And doesn't. She gets called out. She gets told by Bill not to do so. Right. Stupid on his part. Mm-hmm. But Elle's code name in the Deadly Viper Assassination Squad is the California Mountain Snake. <laughs> okay. But that is the only snake in the Deadly Viper Assassination Squad uh-huh. that is not venomous. Oh, okay. So that snake is not poisonous. Oh. Which, in a way, kind of alludes to Bill telling her, "No, don't poison." Right, exactly. That's <laughs> the bride. It, yeah, it's just it's. It, I don't. Obviously, it was planned. Duh. Right. Yeah. But it's all kind of cool once you realize it. Mm-hmm. You know, so she had her chance to poison her, but she couldn't because if she was a snake, she can't. Huh. Yeah, she and can bite the hell out of her. But do yeah. the other do the others have snake code names as well? They all do. Okay. Yeah. Um, That's funny. And okay. And then the second one. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, yeah. They, they they all have uh, snake names, and uh, Bill. Well, you find out at the end his name is the Snake Wrangler because he is the mm. head guy, you know. Um, but uh, yeah, no, they all have snake names. Interesting. Yeah. Well, uh, more... if, if I was a Deadly Viper and Assassination Squad member, I'd be called the Anaconda. <laughs> the Anaconda. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> Do you have a tendency oh, to swallow people whole and regurgitate them later? <laughs> I tend to. I, I can't portion control very well. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have problems. Oh, God. <laughs> Excellent. So, any more um, interesting bits on Kill Bill Volume 1 at all that you care to share? Okay. I, I will say this because I might forget later on. So, Death Count. Okay. Volume 1, 41 people. Wow. Okay. Volume 2, 3. Yeah, I'm. That's not surprising. Yeah, yeah, and um, yeah, kind of, yeah, something I'm definitely that uh, that is related to kind of my thoughts on the second one. So, oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah, and, and and I'll say as we segue into volume two, mm-hmm. um, I will say that volume two is probably my favorite. Oh, oh, I like I like volume two more than volume one. Fascinating, and we'll find out soon why. Yeah. So before we before we do jump over to volume two, I know these are, you know, in his filmography, he considers these one film because, you know, hopefully it is his eighth film. Um, but let's separate them in, in this way, at least. What, what do you give uh, Kill Bill volume one, Ash, on our four star scale? Uh, I'd give it a three and a half. OK. And what about you, Mark? I'll give it a three. OK. 
and I'm giving it a four. So we got a three, three and a half, and a four. So perfect. Um, any any other concluding thoughts on volume one before we want to jump into volume two at all? Um, I I don't think so. I okay. I, I just I liked it a lot. Um, yeah. something I could not find out online why is why they bleeped her real name at first. Yeah, that's. I, 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 I don't, don't know. I, I'm not sure why. Um. That's the only question that really lingers for me. Yeah. I, I just don't understand the reasoning. And it's a question I actually wrote down while watching the second one. It's like, I was going to ask you guys, you know, why do you think this is? I mean, it, it dehumanizes her. Um, but when we find out what her name is, is not like a really, like maybe if it's we- It's not a big we, deal. Exactly. If we found out what her real name was when she found, when she found her daughter, yeah. maybe at that point then it could be something about the humanization of the character you know what i mean but where we find out it's like mm, i don't get it cuz she's still murdering people afterwards like i just i don't know why that choice is made yeah no me neither um i'm curious to find out why yeah. maybe you could leave a review for this podcast and explain to us why uh, quentin tarantino bleeped uh, beatrice kiddo on itunes there it is and that's why i pay you the big bucks yeah, I'm still waiting for Excellent my first checkways. check. That's right. <laughs> Keep on waiting. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, uh, Kill Bill Volume 2 released in 2004. I apologize for yelling there. I felt like I was yelling. Um, this one has an 8.0 rating on IMDb and a Metacritic score of 83. So, the synopsis here, the bride continues her quest of vengeance against her former boss and lover, Bill, the reclusive bouncer, Bud and the treacherous one-eyed L. All right, so, Ash, we kind of know your history with uh, Volume 2 because you saw it along with the first one in theaters. Um, anything else you needed to add there? Or is that pretty much your experience with the with Volume 2? Yeah. Okay. And <laughs> yeah. And what about you, Mark? What's your experience with Volume 2? Uh, same as Volume 1, just know I'm right with this time. Okay. Uh, I was excited to see Number 2, because of number one, I went with the same people again, and uh, yeah, uh, blown away. Had a blast. Excellent. Yeah, this is the first time I've ever seen the second volume. I don't know why that is. I love the first one so much. I don't know why it took me so damn long to see the second one, but mm. for whatever reason, I just never watched Kill Bill Volume 2. Um, it's always one of those things that I meant to watch and just never got around to, so... It oh, is what oh, it is. I found a couple of plausible explanations for why they beep out her name. Okay, I'd love Ooh. to hear them. Uh, one is we we're not we don't know her backstory yet in the first film, so that's why they beep her out uh, whenever the the other people say her name. Hmm. Uh, so we can keep start guessing. However, if you look at the boarding pass when it slides off, her name is actually visible on the boarding pass. Uh -huh. Um, but uh, one of the things someone pointed out uh. Tarantino is a known fan of Jean-Luc Goddard, um, Goddard which is his, his production company is named A Band Apart, so right. and it's named after his film. But apparently in the movie Made in the USA, there is a running gag where Goddard censors out Richard's second name with all different signs, uh, different kinds of sounds. Hmm. Interesting. Hmm. That is interesting. I'd have to, yeah, I should read up on that a little more. Yeah. Huh. Who knows? Because even her name, it's kind of boring. Yeah, it's you know just I, I do odd. like the whole I do like the whole kiddo thing, mm -hmm. but you know it's like Beatrice Kiddo. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, I, I, I want to apologize if any of our listeners are actually named Beatrice Kiddo. <laughs> 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 yeah, 
Yeah, there goes that listening yeah. uh, base right the out the window. The way I pronounce it, there's an umlaut. Um, <laughs> so if you don't write your name with an umlaut, then there's nothing to worry about. <laughs> oh, man. So with volume two, we the, the film picks up with, a, with, like I talked about earlier, a direct breaking of the fourth wall. Um, and she's kind of summing up what happened in the first movie leading up to where she's on the way to now. And she's on the way to um, kill Bill, obviously. Um, and so, again, it's just that that Tarantino unleashed moment right immediately. Um, and right from the get go, it just I wrote down that it feels like these, you know, the proper setting is to watch these back to back in like a drive in movie theater, something along those lines. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> watch it. <clears throat> watching them both in, in one night together. Uh, I don't want to talk about that later, but yeah. If you, if you do want to watch it as one movie, mm-hmm. if you have both of them, um, stop the first one when she's on the plane leaving and she's writing down the names in the notebook. Uh, stop that before Bud starts talking. Oh. And then uh, start when you start the second one, start, like, set it up to, like, the first chapter introduction yeah that's what i was thinking that yeah you'd if you were to watch these back to back you'd probably knock out that breaking of the fourth wall moment because it's yep. just not it's unneeded but yeah so that, that's yeah that's definitely a good idea good point um and fucking hell there's samuel l jackson rufus the yeah. piano player what a small role um and and more samuel l playing samuel l <laughs> Yeah, you know, it, it's like you kind of miss him in mm-hmm. the first volume because, like, I, I need my I need my Sam Jackson fix in every two <laughs> film, apart from the first one. And he finally shows up with a brief cameo number two, and it's kind of nice. Right. It's like, ah, that's right. We're back to QT territory. Yeah, another cameo I loved in this one. My boy, uh, Sid Haig, playing yes. the bartender that where Bud works, or the, of the strip club that Bud works at. I love that. Yeah. I just wish he had a bigger role. But. I know because I think he's going to end up when he when you know eventually time comes where he passes mm-hmm. and he'll be known as Captain Spaulding. Yeah, oh, yeah, his absolutely. body of work is so huge. Yeah, you know what I mean. So it, I, it's yeah. too but bad. Frankly, that's to me. He is Captain Spaulding because that's the first time I ever was ever you know saw him in film. Sure, um, and I just fucking love those movies. So that's that's a series I've been wanting to do for a long time. Is watch through the Rob Zombie films. Uh, something I definitely hope to do in the future because I would love to talk about those. I would be up for that. I haven't seen uh, his films in a long time, so yeah. And I can't recall the last time I saw House of a Thousand Corpses. It's been a while. Yeah, I remember watching it in theaters. Loved it. Watched it at home. Loved it. Tried watching it with this um, with a girl that I was with at the time. Oh yeah. Um, and uh, she hated did, it, and I was just do, so. Did, did you use your move? Did you try to? Did you <laughs> use move. your move? Yeah, my. You know, like, Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, you, you know, know this this is too intense. We're gonna watch full home. Right. <laughs> oh God. But yeah, so I think that's the last time I've seen it. I, I haven't watched it since then, but it's great. Definitely okay. worth talking about. Yeah, uh, yeah, I guess we shouldn't talk about it now, but exactly. Uh, okay, I'll, we won't talk about it. I'm yeah. Um I just I, I find it so odd. That like Southern men will call their wives mother. I just I don't get that. I think that is so fucking strange. Does that does that <laughs> affect anybody I, else like it affects me? I, I will do that just to 
upset my mother. Like, mother, hmm. oh, is, is Colonel Angus here? Where's the lemonade? Yeah, no, I, I, I do not call my mom mother. But it's it's not his mom. It's his wife. That's the in the south they call. Oh her yeah, his yeah, mother. Yeah, just, As, but yeah, but they 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 call their husband's father. It's so weird. You know? God damn the south. I'm just kidding. I love the south and anywhere else people are listening. I love it. <laughs> well, I just think it's strange. Yeah, the, the north is cool too. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> oh God. Um. So I love the I love the Ch- Tarantino's choice of keeping the Two Pines massacre. Was it Two Pines or Twin Pines? Whatever that massacre um, in black and white, just like it is at the start of the film of the first film and this film. Um, I think that that consistency just plays really well. I think it works really well. Um, a few moments that I really like in the in kind of the opening moment here, where they're you know, the opening scene, uh, the the massacre scene, um, the introduction of Bill. Uh, with like the guitar riffing, just getting more and more intense until he turns and finally faces the camera and then it stops. I think that was awesome. Um, there's this incredible long take between Bill and the bride um, and they just kind of move physically closer and it feels like the, the shot's getting tighter almost as, they, as they're as they talking. It's just a really long take and I, I love long take. Just great tension building. Um, Bill is creepy as fuck when he's talking with um, you know her soon-to-be husband and then mm-hmm. that shot, that final shot of the pull out of the church through the doors up, you know, panning up. And then all of a sudden the four assassins show up, they walk in and we see the, the lights going with the bullets going. Um, and then that final moment right before the blackout of like the one person standing right in front of the doorway with the shadow, uh, play there. It's just, I mean, such excellent filmmaking. Um, and another reason I just, I love watching Tarantino's films because you know, you're going to get shit like that. That's just, T- you know, just takes my breath away, frankly. Yeah, it, it's a haunting shot, mm-hmm. which which I think is very effective. So, any any thoughts on kind of that opening there, the in the the massacre at all? Well, it expands on the first one, mm-hmm. you know, which obviously with a with a you know part two, you kind of want that uh, clarification, right? Um, so now you understand why she's going through this whole revenge phase, mm-hmm. you know, uh, because it's not just, you know, the, this, the squad killing her, but you know, she has links to all of them. And, and what I found creepy was the, you know, he kept calling her kiddo. Cause again, you're thinking that's yeah. you know, a pet name. I, yeah. So she's got, you know, there's this, like there's paternal conversation going on, mm-hmm. but at the same time, they're lovers. Right. It's yeah. just a little creepy. Yeah. That's you know? is. Yeah, um, I, maybe it's the casting as well that kind of creeps me out a bit, mm-hmm. because apparently other guys they had in mind for Bill. Oh, okay. They had Kevin Costner, <laughs> Jack Nicholson. Oh wow. Kurt Russell, which would have been <laughs> awesome. Fuck yes. Uh, Mickey Rourke, which wouldn't have <laughs> because of his creepy fingernails. <laughs> and Bird Reynolds, which wouldn't have worked at all. That have been so weird. I'm like, it, it, it's Stroker Ace. That, that's <laughs> not Bill. That's, you know, I, to, to me, Kurt Russell would have been yeah. awesome. Fuck yeah. But at least they got him for the next film. Right, exactly. Oh, yeah, I'm excited to talk about that one. Yeah, me too. Um, yeah, Ash, any, anything that kind of stood out to you in that opening scene there? Um, I like the, the interplay between uh, Beatrix and Bill. Mm-hmm. Um, 
at for even though you know what happens, it you you get this nice shade that Bill is just a complete and total asshole. <laughs> uh, because you know what happens, and he's playing it like he's perfectly fine with what she's done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and no idea what's coming, and it just—it's—I love how they—they they did that out. Um, it, it works really well. Yeah, absolutely. The so the the next kind of moments here are we're basically being introduced to uh, Michael Madsen's character, Bud. And um, I love the scene when he gets to work 20 minutes late and the boss calls him in there and just the way he's the boss treats him. Yeah. Um, it just shows how far the Bud has fallen from where he was, whatever, four, four and a half years earlier when he was this assassin who was feared around the world, you know, mm-hmm. um, just it's it's incredible. And then the. The cherry on top of this shit Sunday is you have to now go pick up shit water that's in the back. Somebody spilled or whatever. The toilet broke. Whatever the situation was, the stripper tells him. Yeah. And so, I mean, wow. It's just – talk about kicking when you're down. Obviously, my favorite character in this whole like series mm-hmm. is Bud. Okay. For some reason, I just dug Michael Madsen's character over <laughs> every other character because Gannett doesn't give a shit. Yeah. But at the same time, he does when you find out about his sword, you know? Right. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I did just something like I, I can't relate to the guy, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's just something about him that I just dug the whole time. And I think that's the reason why I like number two much more than number one okay. is because one, it tells a backstory and there's more Michael Madsen in it. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I think I think Madsen was was excellent in this. I, I, I wouldn't call him my favorite character, but, uh, you know, he's definitely... Definitely an interesting one, and yeah. uh, I think his story is very fascinating. Just <laughs> where he is now compared to where he was. Totally. So we get this next chapter is kind of where the film loses me a bit. Um, we get you know this really long casket scene, and then um, the, the the training scene. What was the guy's pay way or some shit? Pay may. Pay may. Okay. Pay um, may. Okay, yeah, he's training her, um, and it was that his character. I mean, it's straight out of like a '60s, '70s kung fu action flick. Mm-hmm. So over the top, so forced. The way he's saying, the way he's moving, the way he strokes his beard, um, just so ridiculous. Um, I thought that I love it. Oh, yeah. Me too. Yeah, uh, ridiculously awesome. Yeah, not not a negative i wasn't trying to make it a negative thing oh okay um i i enjoyed that about it um but other than that i don't know i was just kind of bored throughout this whole casket moment and training moment it just something about it struck me as i it, it didn't strike me i guess it didn't engage me okay um a, a couple shots i loved or one shot that i loved was when she was trying to eat the rice and mm-hmm. they had this like faded out shot um, and just the way it's filmed is so just straight out of the world that, that the pie way hey, my. Hi, 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 is living in. Um, I love that part of it, but, um, what were, what were your thoughts on this chapter? I liked it. It's like their version of a montage, <laughs> you yeah. know? Yeah. Um, and, and I just, again, I, I just dig, uh, that type of character. He was so over the top and just mm-hmm. the way he flicked his beard, like I'm going my beard <laughs> out. 
Not because I cannot, <laughs> I, I cannot meet the master. Right. I can humbly uh, provide, uh, you know, homage with mm-hmm. mine. But uh, yeah, no, I thought it was, it was just fantastic. Like I, I was, I was clapping with glee with the first time I saw this, <laughs> and I was bummed that his segment was so short. Hmm. I wanted more. Yeah, I don't know. It felt long to me. I don't know. It was just drawn. I don't know. It, drawn it might up. be the, the lead up. Might be what 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 makes yeah. it feel drawn out because it's not really that long. Right. Uh, in the film, mm-hmm. I, I I think the the setup is what kind of sells Pyme for me. Because okay. if we didn't have Bill's story or the fact that Bill got the crap kicked out of him before he came down to talk to her and said, yes. "Hey, you can go up." Right. Jaime would just be completely ridiculous because <laughs> it's just like, why would you go to this guy for training? But then you see what he did to Bill, yeah, and you got the Shailen story, and it's like, okay, this guy is just a complete Fruit Loop, mm-hmm. but he's good at what he does. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. My favorite part was at the end where after she gets out of the casket. Um, there's the shot of her walking across the street to go to the diner and just the, all the dirt and dust that's behind her. It's almost like another entity behind her following her to the diner. And then she walks in and asks for a glass of water. Uh, just such a <laughs> fucking excellent shot. The way the lighting is and everything and this, how much dust there. I mean, it's such a cool shot. Definitely my favorite it, part of that. Yeah. I love the expression on the dude's face. Which <laughs> What? <laughs> right. A line I loved from Bud was uh, he says, Bill used to tell me that she was so damn smart. And I tried to tell him that she was just smart for a blonde. <laughs> I thought that was <laughs> awesome. And then minutes later, the blonde, the other blonde, right? Elle was blonde, right? Yeah. Yes, yes she is. She uh, strikes him down. I didn't I didn't expect the snake and the money. Um, me neither. That just threw me for a loop i was like holy shit i mean it's scared it startled me you know what i mean um the way it was in there but um i knew i figured i i should have expected that something was going to happen that he wasn't going to get the money but i honestly didn't i don't know why i just expected them to kind of not fuck each other over i guess mm-hmm. um and then in the way it was done was just so unique and interesting i didn't expect it at all um and what's more interesting now is that we i find out that she is the you know the non venomous snake that's her nickname and she's the one who finds like the most venomous snake in the world almost yeah exactly well, uh, but then that was the thing is that black mamba was what uh uma thurman's the bride's nickname was her code name oh yes. okay yeah but uh yeah it, they kind of allude to it a little bit in the first film mm-hmm. um where she's going to poison her kind of behind bill's back bill calls her and is like uh yeah we're gonna leave her alone yeah um and she's pissed about it but she, you know bill told her no and she obviously can't go through with it but right yeah, it's yeah i the the first time it came as a shock but kind of you know when i saw it in the theater but watching it over again it's just like they kind of allude to it a little bit yeah uh it's not it's not over your you know they're not beating you over the head with it but it's like this right. is kind of how she is <laughs> and especially when you find out what she did to Jaime yeah later yeah right yeah and this is the moment where we find out her name and it just seems like an odd place to reveal that um mm-hmm. i guess we won't really park on that anymore um but uh yeah this is the moment and so i just it's strange to me uh, i just didn't get it um 
so then we get the the fight scene between l and um the bride and um this was a really i thought a really like fun choreography Uh, i thought they did a really good job with it um it felt over the top at times but nothing out of the realm of the world that we are living in in kill bill Mm -hmm. um and then the the final moments out of nowhere she just fucking grabs the eye like i just another moment that took me by complete surprise i didn't expect that at all which was awesome yeah it was really cool and Uh, and then steps on the eye at the end oh just fucking disgusting and apparently uh you know she gets uh she gets her eye plucked and then she starts thrashing in Mm -hmm. the bathroom apparently she was just trying to be silly for quentin and started acting like that apparently that's not how it was supposed to be scripted at the end of the (laughs) fight but since uh, qt liked it so much she kept it (laughs) That's Which awesome. I think works because I would fucking freak out as well. Oh, I know. Now I'm fucking blind, you know? Natural, yeah. Yeah, it did. It was pretty badass. Huh. That's cool. Um so what is your what's your favorite fight in, in Kill Bill Volume 2? Uh mine would Absolute. be that one. Okay. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. That that fight between her uh where they're just going ape shit with the swords because they do some great choreography with the swords mm-hmm. where she's trying to get the sword out and right and was just like nope 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 yeah. <laughs> the whole thing yeah um i think the moment though probably one of my favorite moments there's a couple moments in the movie but there's one later on i think the moment just before the fight though where she's sitting over bud reading through what's <laughs> happening to him and why yeah. she picked it and everything is fantastic. Yeah. I love it's that. It's just like, Oh, it's, she's, it, it paints her perfectly. And it's mm-hmm. just like, yeah. Yeah. Very, very good moment there. I love that. And just how everything was meticulously written, like word for word on that little notebook. Um, yeah. very interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah, this is definitely, I think really, this is frankly the only fight worth talking about. I think in this one, um, just in so. terms of, so too. of, you know, on the, you know, as you're walking out of the theater type of thing. Well, um, really it's the only fight. Yeah. Because, because then, because, you know, Bud gets eliminated by L mm-hmm. and at the end it's uh, Bill and thing. Beatrice yeah. and yeah, he, yeah, he, he gets stink palmed and that's it. Yeah. You know? So, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, so, so where do we go from here? Okay. So let me enter into the last chapter head mm-hmm. to our uh, face to face. I thought it was just the perfect heading for it. Um, and she, Bill, or Bill, Jesus, Pete's, um, the bride, Beatrix, just looks gorgeous, I thought, in, uh, in this final scene here. She's driving to go get go get Bill, and she sp- stops and speaks with, uh, what's his name, Esteban? Yes. Yeah. Um, Which is uh, Mr. Parks. Isn't it, isn't it Mr. Parks? Um, my, yeah, it's, it's Michael Parks. Uh, he played the, uh, the sh- I guess, the sheriff. Uh, who goes to the um, to the chapel to investigate the scene with oh. his son? Oh. Well, it's it's the same actor in makeup. Huh? How about that? Yeah. I realize yeah, that. Is. Very yeah. cool. That's interesting. Yeah, I didn't know that. I didn't catch that at all. Mm-hmm. But so then, obviously, um, you know, she finds out where Bill is, and uh, she is entering the house and ready to shoot. And who's there? But. Bill and her daughter, Bibi, which is Beatrix and Bill, Bibi. I, I got it. I get how, it. How cute. <laughs> um, and then it's just different. I, the, it just feels like a different type of thing now, different type of film now. Mm-hmm. Um, 
there's one moment in particular, and I mentioned earlier that I think Tarantino's use of licensed music is better than virtually anybody I've ever seen. Um, there's a moment after later in this where she go the, the BB goes to sleep, and um, Beatrix is you know tucking her in, and there's a song that's played there, and it just it was such an uh, it felt different than anything else I've seen in any of his other films in terms of the music that he used there. Um, it felt like a choice out of like a regular, uh, a typical Hollywood film, not something that is caked in the nostalgia that Tarantino's films have been and are. So it just felt so different to me. Do you, does that moment stand out to you guys at all? Do you know what I'm talking about? Hmm. Trying to think what I thought two weeks ago. Yeah, it's so hard, especially for like specific things like that. Yeah. Um. But I, I, I guess it doesn't matter really. Um. It's just my thought on it. Um. If it didn't stand out to you, then obviously it didn't. You know, it it stood out to me, whereas it didn't to you, and that's fine. Um. But what were what were your thoughts, kind of, on this this overall finale? You know, this final chapter. Uh, Ash, we'll start with you. Um. I liked it. I uh, I actually I don't like part two as much as I like part one. Okay. Um, it slows down, it, it, and it is two. It does feel like two very different films. Like if you watch them all in one thing, it's like wow, they really shift gears here in the middle of the mm-hmm. movie. Um, this the second half of the film feels very much like an American Western revenge film, whereas the first half of the film feels like. A Hong Kong action revenge yeah. film, mm-hmm. um, and there I like both genres and everything. And it's interesting to try to mix them up, like, mix them together. And the fight scenes, obviously, in the second one, even allude to it being more martial arts based. Uh, <laughs> but it, it's the second half feels more like uh, like a regular Tarantino film, and it it doesn't it doesn't hold the same pace. Mm-hmm. I think as well. But I, I like it. I do. I do like it. It has some great dialogue, uh, especially Bill. Bill's dialogue is fantastic, <laughs> and, and the moment when the moment with Bud. Um, but uh, and, and I love the, yeah. I, I love how it plays out. Um, but uh, I I don't know. I I didn't think the second one, the second half of the film feels as strong as the first half. Mm-hmm. So, okay. And what about you, Mark? Kind of. Um, what are your, what are your thoughts on this final, this final chapter here? Um, again, I liked the final chapter more than the first chapter. Okay. I think it's because it was more story based and less action based mm-hmm. because, you know, you can have all the coolest action in the world, but if there isn't a cohesive and decent story attached to it, yeah. I'm not going to care so much. Mm-hmm. So they planted the seeds in the first one and it really bloomed in the second one. Mm-hmm. So again, like I mentioned, there's only three deaths in this one. Right. Um, but to me, they overly counted and you were all shocked when it happened. Then again, like uh, there could be four deaths in this movie because I'm counting Bud, Bill and Pai Mai. Um, We don't know if Elle actually died or not. You know, she just lost an eye. Right. So I don't consider her dead at this oh, even point. Even the end credits, the end credits. Uh, there's a question mark. Like if you sit through the end credits, mm. uh, when they go through uh after after like they go through the cast with with visuals it's uma just driving in the car and it's the black and white 
and they the cast members' names come up, and they uh, they x them out if they're dead. When huh. uh, when Hearst comes up, they put a question mark over the top of it. Mm, that's interesting. No, well, there you go. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so yeah, so really, so the three deaths, you know, they were, uh, I guess Bill wasn't, so, I guess they're not shocking because, you know, uh, you know, they're happy, they're going to happen, right. but just the way that they happened, mm-hmm. you know, they're enjoyable. Um, it, it filled most of the holes of the plot that I was kind of wanting to, to, to get to. Yeah. Um, so to me, it don't, the two films by themselves do work, but I think they do work better, better as a cohesive story. Okay. You know, um, so you kind of have to watch them both back to back. That that year in between really sucked, mm-hmm. you know. But again, we're in the Netflix generation now, so you don't want to wait a week for a new episode of something, right? You know? Right. Um, like Fuller but, House, you can just binge uh, watch it in two sittings. Oh, is that out? Yeah, yeah, that one came out recently. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh well, I'm gonna have to check. Uh, no, I'm not. Uh, <laughs> oh, <God>. nice, <laughs> nice. Um, but, uh, yeah, so yeah, I, I dug two more than one, but I okay. think together there's still it's still a a, a, a good entry in his uh, filmography. Yeah. So I before we before I get my final thoughts here, I don't want to do the, the volume two a disservice. I want to talk about kind of the final moments here. Um, so okay, so the uh, BB goes to bed. Um, and then Bill comes down the stairs and they're, you know, f- going to finally have this, this showdown. But honestly, without having, you know, never seen this film before, I didn't know what was going to happen. I didn't know if there was actually going to be a showdown or not. And with the way the film kind of turned, once she enters and sees her daughter there, I, it felt odd to me that Bill immediately jumped to, you know, we're going to have this sword fight as opposed to kind of trying to convince her to, I don't know, stay with him, live with like live as a family together. I don't, that's kind of what I thought might've happened. Yeah. And then it just went right to the, you know? Yeah. But Bill knows he's not going to, there's going to be a fight. I think then that's exactly why he, um, gave, uh, his, you know, gave her time with the kid Mm -hmm. and, and and just let them be because either way, either way it turned out either Bill was going to have the kid or she was going to have the kid. Yeah. And either way she was losing one of her parents and, and that's why he gave her the time with that. He just knew it. He knew there wasn't, there's no going back from that. Yeah. He just accepted as, it. Yeah. As much as they tried to uh, maybe tease the audience of thinking it could be a happy ever after type of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you know, for a while like in her psyche that, you know, you shot me for death. You, we're not going to play a nice house again, you know, uh, yeah, as much but, as it really looked like a cool place to live. Oh, no yeah, way, there was no way that she was going to uh, let him survive. Yeah, I would argue, though, there still was a happy ever after, happily ever after ending. Oh, but not for Bill. Not for Bill, but uh, we, as good. the audience, we don't think we like I didn't like Bill. So I didn't he wasn't part of my happy ending to begin with. You know what I mean? Again, though, I think it's because of casting. I I just don't like Carradine. You know, again, yeah. if it if it was Kurt Russell, I'd probably want that's, him to live. Yeah, that's true. I do you love know? Russell. Yeah, I think casting yeah. played a big uh, a big role in my feelings towards Bill. Mm-hmm. That's a good point. Yeah. Um. One one moment I do really like in this final scene here. It's just I the only reason I guess I like it is just because of the juxtaposition of it. How different it is is when he's doing something as incredibly mundane as making a sandwich, mm-hmm. but he's telling the story about how 
the daughter is this, you know, ruthless killer essentially of goldfish. Um, just something odd about that. Uh, something creepy about it, something scary about it. Um, kind of just, you know, nature versus nurture type of thing. Yeah. Um, and I don't know, just a weird scene, but I liked the way it played out because it was so opposite. Yeah, because you can see that Bill is actually a good father, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and mm-hmm. he does make the sandwich with love. Right. Uh, it's just too bad that, uh, you know, he he did uh, something wrong to mom. Right. But uh, yeah, the daughter's a little sadistic herself. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Like, like creeps steps on the fish. Right. You know? Strange. Yeah. I, just I loved um, I loved Bill's take on Superman just as a comic book fan. So I never yes. thought about it that way before, but I thought that was very you know, just profound. I thought it was very cool to hear very interesting few moments to listen to. Yes, definitely. Um, another moment that I thought was really funny was when Beatrix finds out she's pregnant and the lady comes in, she's, she's telling Bill why, um, she left her or why, yeah, she left him. Um, and, and the assassin that came to kill Beatrix, you know, picks up the pregnancy test and you know they decide that they're not going to kill each other and says congratulations right as she walks away i just thought that moment was was funny yeah that was a weird scene as well yeah i i, I didn't mind it though it was just right weird. yeah it was definitely I, I did love the i the other thing my wife happened was in the room while i was watching it and she's like yeah women do that because <laughs> like comparing the you know the pregnancy test and the thing and she's like yeah and reading the instructions right she's but like i'll read it myself thank you <laughs> yeah <laughs> Which I thought was it was fantastic. Yeah. Um, and then we get the very final showdown, and two films are are fin- you know building to this finale, and the very final showdown is a little chest bump, palm chest thing that she learned. Whatever the hell was five palms of heart exploding, or whatever the fuck it was. Um, it just <laughs> felt. Very anticlimactic to what I was hoping for, I guess. Yeah, sorry, uh, Skype cut out there, so I didn't catch probably the oh, last two minutes. That. But that's okay. Um, I, as for the finale, I thought it was fitting. Like his heart exploded, no. you know. Um, I, I, and, and yeah. this whole backstory with you know him learning the technique from Pai Mai mm-hmm. and him not knowing that uh, Pai Mai did uh, teach uh, Kiddo. <laughs> The actual ch- right. tactics. So for him to die by his master's strike mm-hmm. is kind of is kind of romantic in a way, <laughs> you know. Yeah. So yeah, uh, it's so a good I, point. I, I, it makes sense. It's just like ah, I don't know. We had all these awesome, cho- awesomely the, choreographed scenes. It's like yeah. yeah, but at the same time, the violence was well. At least in the first uh, film, ramps up so high. Mm-hmm. You know, for it to end on the whimper like that. Yeah, I, I kind of like the uh, I kind of like the decision he made. Yeah, I think what I think what the problem is, and, and some kind of a counter to, um, or I don't, yeah, I guess a counter to what Ash you were saying, uh, your final thoughts of it here. Um, I, I think they are very different films, but I think they're still films that kind of need to be seen back to back. Because if you watch them back to back, then you have all this action in the first part, and then you can kind of you know. Uh, relax into the second part, but the second part won't feel as slow because you just witnessed all that action in the first part. Whereas I watched them two weeks apart and the, I love the first one. The second one, 
was just so much slower and I missed the action of the first one. Um, and so I think even though they are two very different films, they're uh, definitely two parts of the same. Yeah. That, that beg to be watched to, you know, step, uh, side by side. Yeah. I'd agree with that. So yeah, my, my, my final thoughts, um, I, I, th- I find the first film much stronger and more memorable. Um, but, like I said, you could definitely feel them as one whole. Um, the second is a much slower paced film than the first. Um, but the first, so the first one had moments of slowness with mostly action, whereas mm-hmm. the second one was moments of action with mostly slower pace. And for me, the first one is definitely more memorable. So while I still like Kill Bill Volume 2, I think Kill Bill Volume 1 is, for my money, the better of the two, if I have to call it that. But I think that's doing a disservice by separating them. I think I need to look at them as a whole. But I can't do that with two weeks apart. I can't do that with a year apart if I was watching them live or when they first came out. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. They're Mm -hmm. definitely – I have to watch them back to back to really get a full idea of what I would give an overall score for Kill Bill. But – for Kill Bill Volume 1, I give four stars. For Kill Bill Volume 2, I'm giving three stars. Ash, what are you giving Kill Bill Volume 2? You gave Kill Bill Volume 1 three and a half. I'd give Kill Bill Volume 2 also three and a half. With the, okay. Mainly, mainly because, the, like you said, they are two part. you know. Right. They are two parts of the same film. If I... And it, it completes the story, but it, at the same time, it, you know, it, it kind of pumps the brakes. And it was a, it's a bit of a shock, but... Mm-hmm. I ever since I've watched them in the theater separately, I always end up watching them back to back. Okay. Uh, yeah. So, you know, so that helps a lot. Right. Okay. And uh, what about you, Mark? You gave Kill Bill Volume 1 three stars. Yeah, I'll give Volume 2 three and a half. Okay. Yes. Yeah, I like it a lot. Still not my favorite. Okay. But, you know, I probably would have given it four stars for the following tidbit. Oh. Michael J. White's Black Dynamite filmed the scene with Bill, but it was left on the cutting room floor for volume two. Oh, really? How cool would that have been? Wow. Yeah. That Is there been... a deleted scene on the Blu-ray with it or no? Not. No, I didn't see anything on oh, my man. copy. Okay. Um, there's a deleted demo scene, um, but I honestly, to be honest, I didn't uh, check it just because it sounded stupid so i don't know yeah. um but apparently they did film a black dynamite versus bill scene i would love to see that that's awesome yeah so because of that uh omission i will give it three and a half out of four what did you give it i i would give part two uh three out of four and i give part one four out of four um so but what I want to do in the future is watch them back to back and kind of give them a, a rating as a whole because I think mm-hmm. that's the way to do it. You know, that's the proper way to to um, appreciate these movies. So, yeah. But again, even with a three star rating, that's the lowest film I've rated of his so far. But even at that, it's still a, a a great film and and one that I would definitely go back and watch multiple times. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um. So. All right. So with that in mind, let's let's rank the order of films and, and we'll separate Kill Bill Volume 1 and Volume 2 for this for this ranking here. So for me, on the bottom would be Kill Bill Volume 2. Next would probably be Reservoir Dogs. Then it would be Jackie Brown. 
then it'd be Kill Bill Volume 1, and then it'd go Pulp Fiction at the top. So that's mine. Pulp Fiction, Kill Bill Volume 1, Jackie Brown, Reservoir Dogs, Kill Bill Volume 2. That's the five that we've seen. And again, if you're um, counting Kill Bill Volume 1 and Volume 2 as one film, um, it'd probably go in the same order. I'd probably put Pulp Fiction, Kill Bill, Jackie Brown, Reservoir Dogs. Um, what about you, Ash? What are you ranking these five films? Um, I think I would put, uh, let's see, Pulp Fiction first. Okay. Uh, followed by Reservoir Dogs, and then Kill Bill, Volume 1 and 2, and then Jackie Brown. Okay. And what about you, Mark? Okay, uh, doing math and rank at the same time. So I'm yeah. going to go with Pulp Fiction. Mm-hmm. I'm then going to go with Kill Bill, Volume 2. Okay. Kill Bill, Volume 1, Reservoir Dogs, and then Jackie Brown. All right. Yeah, so Jackie's uh, my least favorite. Awesome. Yeah, so I like it. We all have um, we're we're none of our lists are the same right now, so that's interesting. So it'll be uh, cool to kind of add to that as we go along. So very good. Any other thoughts? Any other concluding thoughts about uh, Kill Bill Volume One or Kill Bill Volume Two at all? Or any other interesting tidbits to share, Mark? Uh, honestly, no. Um, okay. Actually, uh, no, not really. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, I'm looking good. at my notes here to see what I said. And yeah, uh, yeah, all the good stuff has been said already. Excellent. What about you, Ash? Any other concluding thoughts at all? No. Okay. Very good. So that uh, that concludes, I guess, our thoughts on Kill Bill Volume 1 and Volume 2. So now we are going to talk about in. we're going to talk about a trailer that dropped today. Oh, my God. Yes. Thank you. I forgot about that. Um yeah. Ghostbusters, the new all-female, well, for main characters anyway, female version of the Ghostbusters. That trailer dropped today to uh, some kind of mixed reviews on Twitter. Oh, and Facebook. And Facebook? Okay. shit. It was mixed to fucking uh, (laughs) negative. Wow. I think I'm the biggest fanboy with all the toys and stuff. Like, I'm working on the (laughs) Ghostbusters sleeve. I got the logo already on my back. So I kind of enjoy my Ghostbusters. Yeah. Um, yeah. A lot of negative feedback on Facebook. There I'm was. Actually, and even like even some close friends, they just don't agree with my enthusiasm. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll go straight into it here. Yeah. Uh, the trailer, I watched it about four or five times now on my mm-hmm. phone at work. I mean, at, on my phone, my break and, um, and uh, at uh, home on my big screen. Yeah. First time I watched it, I had goosebumps. <laughs> I had the theme song with the ghosty piano going. Mm-hmm. You know, now I have a question. I don't recall because I'm not a huge, I don't like Ghostbusters 2 that much. Did, did did Winston get an honorary PhD after saving New York in 84? Because I don't recall no. him having a him being a, a scientist. I know that's nitpicky. Well, in the original script for first Ghostbusters, he was. He had a he had a PhD, but he was also former military, and he actually joined them like fairly early on. And then, oh, okay. like right when they restart, they were getting ready to film. They actually dropped off a new script. They're like, "Oh yeah, we don't need you for a ways down the line." And they just basically rewrote the character. Ah, okay. So there but, we go. Yeah. So I. He could technically be. We don't know because he, when he joined up, he's just looking for a job. Yeah. So, so he could have been. But yeah. They never so, really said. 
So, so that's a small gripe, and that's that's so minuscule, you know. Um, so it starts, and uh, what I didn't like was right off the bat, you get a librarian ghost from the first film, <laughs> and I thought she looked better in '84 than she did in full CGI here. Hmm. Um, it it just uh, maybe maybe the CGI isn't done yet, you mm-hmm. know. Maybe it's still cooking in the, in right. the computer ba- uh, banks, you know, back uh, at Columbia. Um, or Sony, I should say. Um, so I wasn't in love with the CGI ghosts in it, but and, you know, to be honest, I think I, I, I think I'm in love with Kate McKinnon. <laughs> she, I don't know. I've had her wallpaper on my phone <laughs> since the original <laughs> pictures got uh, got released, and now her in motion in this trailer. I think I'm in love. Like <laughs> she is awesome in this. Like Kristen Wiig's good, you know. And I like Kristen yeah. Wiig, but I think this is Kate's film to steal to become the next level star. Like she's she's well known on SNL, mm-hmm. but I think this is going to send her to the next stratosphere. Like uh, like the, the whole scene where she's winking and and, and she does that lip thing, <laughs> and then you know the thing with the with the purple wig and the hat. Yeah, that was funny as hell. And what the fuck is up with her with two pistols that she <laughs> licks? Are these proton pistols? I don't know, but I'm so curious. And I will wait till July to watch the film. Now that I've seen this trailer and I got a feel of what it could become, mm-hmm. I don't want to see any more trailers because I don't want anything spoiled or leaked or nothing. So uh, yeah. now I think I'm going to deep six myself on yeah. any Ghostbuster articles because I want to be surprised in the theater. Right, you're sold already. You don't need to be sold anymore. Yeah, I my my tickets bought, or you know, like my money's reserved for a ticket right. or two. Um, so yeah, so I'm good to go. You don't have to make any more trailers for me. Just don't expend too much. Don't reveal too much. Don't show me the movie in clips. I just want to sit down and enjoy it. You know. Yeah, absolutely. And that was my thought on it. Um, I only watched the trailer once. Um, just, I just tend to only watch trailers one time. Uh, and it did enough. Like, I think it looks funny. It looks fun. Uh, the, I love the actor, actresses that are in it. I think they're all great. Um, I'm a huge Melissa McCarthy fan, which I know is probably a minority opinion amongst, you know, film fans, but, uh, I think she's fucking hilarious. It goes back to my love for sitcoms, I guess, which I don't like her sitcom that she's in, whatever the hell, Mike and Molly, but eh, whatever. I went I think for the remix. Really funny. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, I don't, I don't get where all the hate's coming from. Like it's, it's ex. it looks really fun. Um, one thing that I love is, uh, listening to Sean DeRegger, who's part of the Screamcast. Yeah. He's talking about how his daughter is so excited. You know, she's the perfect day. She's, you know, super excited because it's an all female cast. And that's something that shouldn't be overlooked. Uh, it's a, you know, exciting that there are young girls that can get, that can get excited about something that's in the sci-fi kind of horror realm like that. Um, it's not just something that, you know, young boys should, should have a a say in. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I think it's really important that it's an all female cast for, for little girls like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and so, power to him. I think it looks fun as hell. Uh, I will definitely be seeing it. Uh, like I said, I love the cast, so I think it should just be a lot of fun, you know? Um, S- some of I'm the excited. hate that's being spewed right now is that they've rehashed a lot from the first two films in this remake. Yeah. Here's you know? the thing. I, I've seen Ghostbusters. 
um, a couple times. I watched it recent, as recent as like a year ago, I think, maybe a couple summers ago. Um, and it's a, it's fine. I'm not a fanboy like you are, obviously. Um, I, I like it, but that's about it. And frankly, I don't even know if I've ever seen the second one. So you know I've what? Seen the second one, and the second one was a basically a slight tweak of the first film's plot. Okay. Yeah, with different with different names in a couple different situations, mm-hmm. and like, it, it's not nearly as good as the first one. No, there's some funny elements to it, mm-hmm. but the first one is by far the strongest film, you know, uh, of the two. Yeah, um, but there's some there's a few things from the trailer that I do like. It looks like they've got some ghost bear trap that they were playing with in, yeah. the, in the trailer. That looked interesting. Um, again, the proton packs, I dig the design with the red glow. Mm-hmm. Um, even Ecto-1 uh, looks pretty cool. You know, it's it's a different type of hearse. Um, it's a little more square. Yeah. Um, I, I, I kind of dig it. So uh, as much as it might, you know, borrow some, some elements of the first two films, um, I, I think this is going to make a whole lot of money. <laughs> it, it, it's no gods in Egypt, so... Right, exactly. Yeah, and frankly, my the my most the most of my experience with Ghostbusters is from the cartoon that was on uh, back in the early '90s. That's what I used to watch all the time. Uh, frankly, I don't remember much of it now because I haven't seen it since I was a young kid. But that's really where my history with Ghostbusters is lies mostly is in the cartoon and in those action figures that came out based on that. You know, in the cartoon and the film. Yeah. What about you, Ash? Well, uh, so, uh, someone pointed out, I, I retweeted it, uh, if you watched the first trailer that came out for the original 1984 Ghostbusters, mm-hmm. it's kind of terrible. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and, I've never, and, I don't recall seeing it. but uh, Yeah, I, I retweeted it. There, there's, It's up on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's not a great trailer at all, and it doesn't, it doesn't really necessarily fit the movie. There's a lot of unrelated jokes, they make a lot yeah. of faces. <laughs> it's not... Part of that they people have to realize is the marketing. I think after we had this insanely good daredevil marketing campaign mm-hmm. and and the Civil War one that's going on and a few other ones, this trailer, while it was pretty good, doesn't I don't know that it's doing the movie justice. I obviously haven't seen the movie, but it it feels like a movie trailer for a comedy. You know, hey, we're gonna throw a bunch of stuff in here and, and have it go. And that was kind of what they did with Spy, uh, which a lot of people. Yeah liking and it was nothing like they portrayed in the trailers yeah so, that's what i've heard yeah yeah and so it's just like i don't know i i there's like some funny bits in the trailers this is pretty much what i was expecting out of the trailer i still want to see the movie i think the movie is going to be a lot of fun yeah definitely i'm so um i'm so what's the word easy when it comes to comedy uh, i laugh a lot you're at so the funny. dumbest of shit exactly i very, very much so <laughs> um and so it doesn't take a lot to make me laugh and um so that's you know i i laughed quite a bit during the trailer and that's just the way it is but i'd rather that than the opposite so exactly yeah i i can't say i laughed so much like mm-hmm. that sequence with uh, melissa and uh where she's possessed and she does the exorcist uh, yeah. neck thing i i didn't think that was very funny oh, like yeah. I, i'm just like eh. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so I, I think that's probably going to they're going to probably be the weaker of the two uh, mm-hmm. Ghostbusters. Um, again, you know, you can't showcase everyone like in, in their exactly. best scenes in the trailer. But I thought the slapstick comedy wasn't that great. 
I was more in awe of the uh, technology they used mm-hmm. and Kate McKinnon. <laughs> yeah, so it'll be fun. It'll be interesting. I, uh, I'm excited to uh, definitely get to see it come July. So, Me too. Very good. All right, so I guess that's that. Uh, remember, we were we will not be recording next week, but the following week we will be back with a review of Death Proof and a review of Black Mirror Episode 1 of Season 2. So make sure you check that out and always check out the website. Ash is continuing his um, Star Trek Essentials article, so make sure you check that out. And um, Chris has put up a couple reviews of um, what was it, Gods, of Gods of Egypt and... Uh, the new one that comes out actually tomorrow, um, which is London Has Fallen. He actually was able to see a advanced screener of that. So make sure you guys check those out on cinefessions.com and hit us up on iTunes, hit us up on Stitcher, wherever it is that you like listening to us. Make sure you give us a like, give us a thumbs up, give us a review, whatever it is that you'd like to do. We always appreciate that. So Mark, Ash, thank you gentlemen for joining me tonight. It was fun. Yes, it was. So I hope you guys have a, an excellent week off and uh, we will be back with you in just a couple of weeks. So thank you everyone for listening and we will catch you next time. Yeah.